Most people believe the Holy Spirit exists. But why don't we ever talk about it? We hear about the Holy Spirit and we sing about the Holy Spirit, but do we understand who He is? The Holy Spirit is not meant to be a mystery. He is a person and not an it. The Holy Spirit isn't just a power source to tap into when we need it. It's about communion with the person. There are many aspects of the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism with the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit. And the truth of who He is is painted throughout the Bible. The Holy Spirit is meant to be a part of our everyday lives. And we are called to live in the supernatural. Hey guys, my name's Toby, and I love Jesus. Stand with me as we read the Word of God together. 1 Corinthians 8, 5 through 6. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. This is what I believe and what I stand on by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Toby. All right, Dorothy, come on. Just love hearing this lady preach. She's got a word for us this morning as we respond to Jesus. All right, all right, good morning. I want to start out with uh, the scripture from 1 Corinthians 12. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Amen. Well, I'm so pumped to be a part of this team that is sharing on the gifts of the Spirit because I know how important these messages really are. Christ paid a tremendous price not only for the salvation of our souls, but also for us to live vibrant, victorious Christian lives. And that can only happen when we are full of his Holy Spirit and walking in all that he has for us. I love the Holy Spirit. And it feels like more than ever in my lifetime, we have a desperate need for him and for his gifts to operate in us. I'm going to start a bit general, and then we'll focus on the specific topic that I've been given this morning. Okay. First of all, do we really need the gifts of the Spirit? Yes. yes. A thousand times yes. Sometimes I think Christians would rather not talk about the Holy Spirit or the gifts. And some feel uncomfortable with these topics because they offend the mind. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but what? They consider them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Romans 8.5 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. 
And to live in the spirit, we need all the gifts that he has. We cannot say, I like the fact that the Holy Spirit seals me for the day of salvation, but the gifts, well, they're kind of strange. And I don't know if that I want any part of that. And even though our attention is definitely on the giver and not the gifts, we still need the gifts so that we can be overcomers and live the kind of life that he intends. And although God often gives a particular spiritual gift that a person tends to primarily operate in, I have personally found that he will give me whatever I need for the situation if I ask him. And that's why I'm so glad that we're going through each gift individually so that we're familiar with how each one works and we can ask God for grace to walk in a specific gift if and when the occasion arises. C.S. Lewis is one of my most favorite literary figures. Not only is he a prolific writer, but his works have incredible Christian symbolism that often mirror biblical lessons. Well, one of his stories is a children's book called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and a movie was made from this book. And there's a clip from this movie in which Father Christmas gives Lucy, Peter, and Susan individual gifts that were going to be necessary for a coming battle against the White Witch. And I want you to watch this with me. The hope that you have brought your majesties is finally starting to weaken the witch's power. Still, I dare say you could do with these. <laughs> Presents! <laughs> juice of the fire flower. One drop will cure any injury. And though I hope you never have to use it. Thank you, sir. But I think I could be brave enough. I'm sure you could. Battles are ugly affairs. Susan, trust in this bow, and it will not easily miss. What happened to battles are ugly affairs? <laughs> Though you don't seem to have a problem making yourself heard, blow or miss, and wherever you are, help will come. Thanks. Peter. Time to use these. Maybe near at hand. Thank you, sir. These are tools, not toys. Bear them well and wisely. Now, I must be off. Winter is almost over. Things do pile up. And you've been gone a hundred years. <laughs> Long live Aslan. And Merry Christmas.
For me, this scene illustrates this idea of the Holy Spirit distributing gifts that we need to be able to face the enemy of our souls and be victorious. This morning, I get to talk about one of these gifts called discernment of spirits. But before I get into it, I want to lay some groundwork on some foundational truths before jumping right into this topic. Number one, a simple scripture that is key for me when I talk about the gifts of the Spirit is James 1.17. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. This says that God only gives good gifts because he knows that we need them in some capacity, whether that's individually or corporately as a church. And no matter how strange a gift is to our natural minds, such as the gift of tongues, or how unusual a gift is, like the discernment of spirits, my confidence is that my Heavenly Father gave them to us because he knows that we require them. Number two, another, another foundational truth that we must understand is that this world is so much more than what our five senses tells us. To believe in God, you're already conceding that beyond what your eyes can see, beyond what you can touch, smell, feel, or taste, there is a God, a spirit being who transcends our natural world. And if you can take that leap of faith and believe that a good, benevolent God exists, I don't think it's a stretch for me to ask you to acknowledge that as Scripture talks about, there's a spiritual world in which angelic beings exist to promote the purposes of God, and Satan and evil spirits exist who hate God and who hate his people. Why is this important to know? This spirit world has a strong impact on our natural one, some positive and some negative. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Starting in the Old Testament and all the way to the New, there's a mention of this spiritual world that is as real as this natural one, and they coexist with each other. An example of a spiritual battle that we are facing. I recently read an article sent out by Intercessors for America, and they were sending out a prayer request against a conference being held by the Satanic Temple in Arizona. This event has sessions like raising children in a satanic household, after-school Satan club, and abortion as a right. This is real, folks. Number three, a third foundational truth that I want to establish is that as believers, we do not need to fear evil spirits because Christ, who lives in me, has all authority, and he has overcome Satan on the cross. James 4, 3 through 4 Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming, is now already in the world. You, though, are of God, little children. 
And you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. Luke 10, 17 through 20 says, 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, it says, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. As Christians, we do not need to fear the devil or evil spirits. Now, I'm not encouraging us to focus on demons or be flippant when dealing with them, but what I want to emphasize this morning is that we have the authority in Christ to deal with them if and when the occasion arises. With all that being said, let's talk about discernment of spirits. All right, discernment is defined as to recognize and distinguish between. This gift is given to reveal something that is not easily seen in the natural. It is a revelation gift from God. I like to emphasize the word spirits, plural, because discernment covers various types of spirits. Number one, discernment can help you discern human spirits. Number two, demonic or angelic spirits. And number three, my favorite, the Holy Spirit. Number one, let's briefly address each one. So often, we judge a man or a woman on outward appearance, don't we? On their talent, their wealth, etc. But only by God's discernment can we recognize the heart or spirit of that person. Even if a person says all the right things or is polished in appearance, they may still have a deceptive or wicked heart that is contrary to the ways of God and vice versa. A person who is rough around the edges may be visually or verbally unappealing, but in fact, they may have a heart to want to know God. I would suggest that you pay attention in those moments when you're talking to someone They may be saying all the right things or even doing some of the right things, but something in your spirit isn't settling right. Ask God to help you discern. It may be nothing, or it may be the gift of discernment. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try, and another version says, test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into this world. In the Old Testament, the prophet Samuel was sent to pick the next king of Israel. Samuel looked at the sons of Jesse, and he was impressed by the older son's outward stature and appearance, and thinking, surely one of these will be king. But what does it say in 1 Samuel 16? The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. The people look at the outer appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In the New Testament, John 2, 24 through 25, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind. Why? Because for he knew what was in each person. 
Only God knows what's in each of our hearts or our spirits, and only he can reveal it. That's why we are called not to judge one another flippantly, but as scripture says in John 7, 24, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. My daughter, Ariana, met a young man named Rory Samuel sitting in the front row right here. When she was on an internship in Washington, D.C., her junior year at Baylor. Turns out he's from Dallas, only two hours up north of us, but of course they never met each other until that summer. Well, things progressed pretty quickly between them. I guess they were both in that season of life when marriage was a strong possibility, but my problem was, God, I don't even know this guy. Things are moving so fast, I'm not sure what to think. Then one day, I was in deep prayer over their relationship, and I heard God clearly say to me, Rory is a man after my own heart. He has a heart like David. You can trust him. As a mom, that brought so much peace to my heart. And I can say, after almost three years of marriage, I have found he truly does have a heart to know God. And on top of that, he's a perfect match for my daughter. He has loved her well, and I could not have asked for anything more in my son-in-law. I mentioned a couple of uh, months ago that I was a part of a team that led a school mission, high school mission trip to Indonesia one summer. And we were worshiping together during team time when I felt prompted to give a word to one of the worship leaders who was a college student doing a summer internship in that island. And God showed me that this young man had a spirit like John the Beloved who laid his head on Jesus' chest. And the impression I had was, as he developed intimacy with Jesus during his devotional times, like John the Beloved, God will be able to use him to lead others to intimate worship with Jesus. And so I gave him this word, and after, afterwards he thanked me, and he said, you know, I have had this exact same word given to me several times in my past, and in fact, I have John the Beloved engraved on the inside of my watch as a reminder. The Holy Spirit can help us discern human spirit. Number two, discerning demonic or angelic spirits. Angels and demons exist, okay? Jesus and his disciples dealt with them. Friends, this is what the Bible says. I'm not making this up. Let's start in the Old Testament. In the garden, Satan comes in the form of a serpent and tempts Adam and Eve away from their intimate union with God. And you see how evil spirits tormented King Saul and how through David's worship they were sent away? What about in Daniel? When he cried out for understanding, what does it say? An angel finally arrived in Daniel 10, 12 through 14. Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom, that's a demon, resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, who's an angel, came to help me because I was detained there. 
with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns the time yet to come. Wow, isn't it crazy to think that a spiritual dimension of angels and demons resisting and fighting each other to hinder or promote the purposes of God actually exists? And of course, in the New Testament, Jesus cast out demons. Matthew 8, 16, when evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed who were all ill. The Bible reveals that there is this cosmic battle between God and his kingdom versus Satan and his. And this spiritual world strongly impacts our natural one. There's a story I recently read about uh, Pastor John Boston. In April of 2015, Pastor Boston was driving on Airport Road in Ohio when a car crossed the center line and came barreling towards him. Trying to swerve to miss this vehicle, he struck a utility pole, sending a live transformer crashing onto his car. He was trapped inside this burning car with his seatbelt stuck and his door would not open. And then out of nowhere, the pastor describes a scruffy stranger who came up to the car and easily opened that smashed door. After helping him out and walking him 20 yards away, the car exploded in flames. The stranger said, my name is Johnny. The police are almost here and they will help you. And then he was gone. Firefighters say that what happened defy logic, reason, and science. Veteran Columbus firefighters say that no one should have been able to touch or walk away from a car with a live transformer on it. Pastor Boston can only attribute what happened to an angelic visitation. Why God sent an angel in this situation and not in everyone, I do not know. But me not knowing that answer doesn't negate the fact that God uses angels to help us in our time of need. Okay? I have a story from my own story from uh, way long ago. I know Pastor Jimmy has shared this before, but it's one of my favorite stories, so I'm going to share it anyways. In 1991, I was on a mission trip with Jimmy and a couple of others on a trip to Eastern Europe. Uh, it was with the what we call now the Antioch Discipleship School. The Berlin Wall had just come down, and we were in a long line of cars trying to cross into Bulgaria so that we could share the gospel in Eastern Europe. It looked like it would take all day and maybe even days to get across this border. Well, all of a sudden, a van cut across a line of cars and pulled up right in front of us. The driver honked his horn, he stuck his head out the window, and he looked back at our van and started waving for us to follow. At first, we didn't know what to do. Then one of our team members noticed the bumper sticker on the van, and it said, don't mess with Texas on it. <laughs> And we thought, this has to be an angel from God. What car in Bulgaria in the middle of nowhere would have don't mess with Texas bumper sticker? So we followed him. 
Well, he ended up taking us completely off the highway and took us through winding countryside roads, a road that we would have never have found on our own. This was before GPS and phones. And here and there, we could see the long rows of cars to our right that had not moved for hours. Well, in a relatively short amount of time, we found ourselves at the border crossing with a van in front of us. He honked again, and the guy waved to the border or pointed to the border, and he waved and drove off. Needless to say, we made it to our destination in no time and saw a mighty move of God with salvations and healings, signs and wonders in a town that had interacted with only a handful of Christians up to that time. God sent an angel to lead us. Also, it's important to discern when there's a specific demonic spirit involved so that we can properly deal with them. For instance... Sometimes what we experience is natural, like some mental or physical sicknesses, some addictions, etc. And sometimes there's a demonic spirit that's instigating it. I recently read a story about uh, Derek Prince, who's a pastor, and he was telling this story about a friend who wanted freedom from smoking. He smoked for years and wanted deliverance, so he would come and ask for prayer, and he would get free for a few weeks, but he always ended up going back to smoking. It was a strong addiction. Well, one day, the friend came again for prayer and counsel, and while they were talking, Derek Prince says he suddenly saw in the spirit a small impish demon poke his head out. He knew right away it was the spirit of rebellion. So he took authority over that spirit, and the man repented of rebellion. The friend was completely set free from that hour. The gift of discernment can help us recognize angelic or demonic spirits that are at work. Number three, discerning the Holy Spirit. This is one of my favorite and probably one of the easiest. God allows us to discern when he is present in a place, situation, or even on a person. I love when I'm in a meeting. um, Often it's during worship. I'm able to discern that the Holy Spirit is working on someone. It's so easy in those moments to go over and minister to that person because God is already doing the work, and I'm just agreeing with him. So now that we have established that there are various types of spirits that we can discern, what is the purpose of this gift, and why do we need it? Let's start by clarifying what this gift is not for. It's not an excuse for judging people, criticizing or finding fault. It is not natural discernment or street smarts. It's not to gain spiritual identity or take glory for yourself. Then what, why did he give us this gift? Well, number one, first is to rightly discern what is truly going on in the spirit rather than depending on what we see in the natural. Things are not always what they seem. Sometimes it's easy to see what is good and what is evil, whether it's in a person or a situation. But sometimes it's harder to see. 
And I would venture to say that in this hour, we need this gift more than ever before. In the past several years, there seems to be a greater confusion in our society of being able to discern right from wrong. There's a lack of clarity that is often disturbing and it's often leading people away from God's truth. Where right looks wrong and wrong looks right. Where good is promoted as evil or evil is promoted as good. And there's a scripture that addresses this propensity. In Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who puts bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Think about that. I came across a powerful quote that I want you to ponder on. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's the difference between right and almost right. Almost right is still wrong, by the way. It's called missing the mark. And the biblical definition of sin is missing the mark. There's an interesting story in Acts 16 when Paul cast out a familiar spirit out of a girl who was a fortune teller. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days and finally Paul became so annoyed he turned around and he said to the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. If you notice, what she was saying was not wrong. She was saying, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. That is actually true. But there was a wrong spirit that was instigating her actions and words. And it brought distraction and took people's eyes off of Christ. It was also very annoying to Paul, and so he cast out that demon. <laughs> Just because something looks right on the outside or at first glance, it doesn't mean it is of God. We must walk in the gift of discernment in conjunction with the word of God and godly counsel to know how to respond and to navigate these crazy waters. Another purpose of discernment, to expose the darkness and reveal truth. Discernment helps to keep believers from being led astray. Discernment allows others to take action towards what is good or godly. It increases focused prayer and intercession for God's purposes to prevail and for the enemy's plans to be hindered. Another purpose for this gift is to set people free from the bondage of the enemy. Without discernment, it's difficult to fight or address a situation or help someone find freedom from oppression. We need this gift so we can identify what spirit we're confronting in Jesus' name and we can hit the mark and be victorious. I want to read you a story. It says, one day Jesus met a man who was deaf and mute in Mark 9, 25. 
When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. Now, why didn't he just pray for him to be healed? Instead, he rebuked a spirit. Because in this particular situation, he discerned it was not a physical problem, but a spiritual one. The gift of discernment of spirits can apply to an individual or to a principality over an area. One Christmas, Jeff and I, with our kids, went um, home to Indiana to see family. And when we arrived, I noticed immediately that Jeff and I were getting into all these arguments, little spats with each other. And these small disagreements were getting blown up into huge deals. I was struggling with thoughts of anger. And to be honest, even thoughts of separation would just be bombarding my mind. It was really ridiculous, but also very real. My emotions and thoughts felt completely out of control and out of proportion to the situation. One morning, I got on my face before Jesus, and I was crying out for help. And I heard God say, out of the blue, completely out of the blue, there's a spirit of divorce that is operating in this neighborhood. I cannot tell you how that word of discernment brought such tremendous relief, clarity, and freedom. I realized it wasn't about Jeff. I'm sure there's a human component there of us having differences and miscommunication that was causing strife. But once I realized who the enemy was, I was able to focus my fight against the right target. It was interesting because later that day, without knowing what the Lord had spoken to me, my sister-in-law, Jennifer, began to tell us of several couples in her neighborhood who are currently in the middle of a divorce. The rest of that week went much better. It wasn't smooth sailing. I still had to be careful of what I said and how I responded, but our relationship was much improved. Once I rightly discerned my enemy, the spirit of divorce, I was able to engage in a spiritual battle rather than a natural one with my husband. And thus I had grace to focus my anger on the devil rather than on Jeff. And I'm sure that Jeff was very happy that I used the gift of discernment in that situation. Okay, number four, discernment helps us glorify God and reveal his power and authority to this world. It creates opportunities for ministry and for Christ to be exalted, which in turn will bring glory to God. Okay, how do we operate in this gift? Just like in anything, ask God for what you need. 1 John 5, 14 through 15, this is the confidence that we have towards him. If we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the request that we have asked of him. Can we grow in this gift? Absolutely. As with every gift of the Spirit, we can eagerly desire it, as 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says. And we can ask God for them and boldly walk out in them in opportune moments. Hebrews 5, 14 says, Solid food is for the mature 
who by constant use have trained themselves. You can train yourself to discern good from evil. How do you train yourself? This verse says, by constant use. How do you grow in anything? You do it over and over and over again. Humbly, in a spirit of submission, stepping out in faith, asking God to help you discern so that you can glorify him. Being willing to learn and okay if you get it wrong. Okay, Because when you get it wrong, then you learn what the difference is when something is God's discernment versus fleshly judgment. Another easy way to discern, observe the fruit that is being born. Matthew 7, 15 through 16a, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. I don't care what's being said outwardly. If the fruit is destruction, division, violence, anything that is contrary to the fruits of the Spirit, I would highly question the spirits behind it. Hebrews 5.14 also talks about maturity. The only way to become mature in God is by spending time with him, with him in his presence and in his word. I heard someone say this, the best experts who can spot a counterfeit spend most of their time studying the original rather than what is fake. Very wise. When you study God, when you encounter anything that is not God, you will be able to spot it right away. That is why I encourage you that if you want to grow in discernment, don't focus on the devil or his evil spirits. Focus on God. Make it your goal to study him and his ways. How do you focus on God? Being in his presence, immersing yourself in his word. When I was a freshman at Baylor, I chose to spend one to two hours in the word daily, in addition to spending time in prayer and worship with Jesus for that year. I made a personal curriculum of biblical studies to be a part of my class routine, and my teacher was the Holy Spirit. That first year, I gained maturity in the Spirit that allowed me to able to discern what is God and what just looks like God. All right, I'm going to bring this to a close. Thanks for hanging in with me. I know this is long. The guy in the back said, man, you got tons of scriptures. And I'm like, yes, because it's the Bible that is... uh, Important. (laughs) Okay. All right. Here we go. We spent a lot of time this morning talking about the purpose and need for spiritual discernment. Needless to say, this is a very important gift that we must utilize. What I didn't discuss is what happens when we as individuals or as a church do not walk in discernment. It can result in great confusion, pain, and wrong thinking. We have a generation coming up behind us that are not clear on matters such as sexual identity, abortion, obedience to God's word, and a whole list of issues that once was clearly right and wrong biblically. Well, why is that? 
Have we as a church fallen asleep and given up our discernment? I think in many ways we have. As gatekeepers, we are responsible to walk in the gift of discernment in order to disciple others and to raise our children in the way they should go and to guard the church from spirits of deception. The Bible says in the last days, 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit clearly says that in the later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. This is not to bring condemnation, but conviction so that we can change and find help in our time of need. Let's come before God this morning. If you want to stand with me, let's repent of relying on our own wisdom and ask God for help to discern the times and to discern the spirits that we are encountering in our day. I want all the prayer teams to come on up. You know, the floor is open. If you need healing for your physical body, if you need a provision, whatever, we want God to meet with you this morning. And if you want to come up and just repent, say, Jesus, I need that spirit of discernment. I've allowed some things into my life, into my family's life that is not of you. And I can see the fruit of destruction that's resulted from it. God, I need help. I need a way to change. God's going to meet with you this morning. Amen? All right.